This week, we have Ellison Ann Williams, CEO of Unveil, on the show. This is the third show that we have covered privacy-enhancing technologies, such as secure multi-party computation and homomorphic encryption. We did this with Brett Hemingway Falk and Kurt Roloff on earlier episodes. These technologies are also known by their abbreviation, PETS. Ellison Ann explains PETS more broadly in how they all work together. And Vail has not some impressive wins. Back in 2017, they were the winner in the RSA Conference Innovation Sandbox. Last June, they were selected by the World Economic Forum as one of 100 technology pioneers. Last month, Cybersecurity Ventures put them in their hot 150 companies. They are racking up the recognition. In this episode, Ellison Ann cuts through the myth that these technologies are not ready for commercial use and also drives home the point that homomorphic encryption facilitates whole new businesses, models, and opportunities. As an aside to this point, current worldview is that data analytics requires insourcing the whole data value chain after capture. This is largely because the value gets extracted from the data and that becomes highly proprietary and generally only gets disclosed to third parties when it's monetized. But homomorphic encryption allows that data chain to be further specialized and outsourced without risky disclosure of the most proprietary information and allows it to be done seamlessly. For many business leaders, this is a bit of a mind bender. But the end result is that we are going to see whole new businesses build around this by the innovators and will facilitate more specialized data analytics in ways that few of us can truly appreciate today. Ellison Ann also speaks to the usability of Unveil's products across multiple jurisdictions and platforms and how they can be leveraged to better protect our national interests against state-sponsored hackers. Join us as the encrypted economy continues to explore the world of pets with Ellison Ann. Please subscribe, share, and provide feedback. But we are not done with pets either. And so for the listeners who are interested, please share your questions, guest ideas, focus areas, and we'll try to cover them. This is all about a dialogue. And with that, we bring you the episode with Ellison Ann Williams, CEO and founder of Invale. Welcome to the Encrypted Economy, where we look at the business of regulation and security for all things encrypted, digital assets, blockchain technology, privacy, and smart contracts. Hope you'll join us while we explore these forces that are shaping the economy. This is Eric Hess with The Encrypted Economy. Today, we're really excited to have Ellison Ann Williams on the show. She's the CEO and founder of a company called Envale, and she'll tell you more about what they do in the privacy enhancing technology space. She has quite the background. She's got master's degrees, postdoctorate degrees, 12 years at the NSA. Her master's were in set theoretic topology and machine learning neural networks, uh, doctorate in algebraic combinatorics, if I pronounced that correctly. She started Unveil in 2016. Ellison Ann, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's hear a little bit about your background. And you can, from what I understand, you're cut from the cloth of an entrepreneurial family. So maybe tell us a little bit about that and your progression straight up to the present day. That is correct. So I am through and through an entrepreneur at heart which takes some people aback when they take a look at all of those degrees that you mentioned and my time inside of the U.S. intelligence community. I started in Vail, like you mentioned, about four years ago, four and a half years ago at this point. Prior to that, spent about 12 years inside of the intelligence community, in particular National Security Agency and the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Lab. And then before that, spent some time collecting 
degree. So PhD in pure math, you got it almost right, algebraic combinatorics, uh, master's in math, master's in computer science, machine learning. I like to say before it was ever the cool thing to do. But yes, you're absolutely correct. I come from a very long line of entrepreneurs. That's what was modeled for me. No other technologists in my family anywhere that I've ever found. And so when I sat around as a little girl and thought about what do I want to be when I grow up, it was this. It was founding and running my own companies. Excellent. As you were moving through your various degrees and as you're working with the, the team at the NSA, these were fairly male-dominated spaces, right? Yes, they are male-dominated spaces. But to be very honest, I never noticed until very late in my career. In fact, there was a very poignant moment when I was inside the agency, and it was about maybe 11 years into my career there. And someone stopped me and said, what does it feel like to often be the only female in the room? And I looked at them and I said, you know what? I never even noticed. And then on we go. I love that story. I love that story. So I often ask my guests uh, when we start off a single event that shaped your values, your worldview, your perspective on the space. Yeah. So if I uh, rewind way back, I would say that singular event that shaped my worldview to get me to that aha moment of, gee whiz, I, am I really the only female in the room? It goes back to my dad. And as long as I can remember, he always said to me, you can be anything and do anything that God wants you to be and do. And so inherently, there was absolutely no limitation to what I could do or the, the dreams that I could dream and the career path that I could take. And that was just part of the fabric of who I am. That's a great story. Going back to Unveil, there's a number of different privacy-enhancing technologies that the platform offers, from trusted encryption environments to federated learning, secure multi-party computation, somewhat homomorphic, fully homomorphic. Can you discuss the continuum of those different environments? Yeah. So Unveil is a data security company, and we focus completely on securing data in use when it's being used or processed. So what does that mean? Why does it matter? And then we'll get into some of that technical continuum that you described. So if you think about it, the way organizations most often meaningfully use or process data to extract insights, to extract information for business purposes, is by running some kind of a search or analytic over it. So when we talk about securing the usage of data, we mean being concerned about the security posture and hence the privacy posture of that search, of that analytic, of that machine learning model as it's being performed. So for example, with one of our flagship product lines, Zero Reveal Search, we can do things like take searches, encrypt them, and then run them anywhere our software is installed without ever decrypting them at any point during processing. Now that's powered by breakthroughs that we had in the utilization of a underlying technology called homomorphic encryption, which is one of the key pillars in the family of technologies called privacy enhancing technologies. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. So why does the ability to encrypt searches or analytics or machine learning models and run them anywhere actually matter? Because it completely changes the paradigm of how and where organizations can securely leverage data assets and resources for business purposes. We've had Brett Hemingway Falk 
And we've also had Kurt Roloff on the show talking about homomorphic encryption and secure multi-party computation. Maybe a little more detail on what a trusted encryption environment is and what its limitation and just making sure we get it into our lexicon for the listeners. So it's best to think about it and frame it in the context of privacy-enhancing technologies as a family. So PETS, as you'll sometimes hear it called, is a family of technologies that serve to enhance and preserve the privacy and security of data throughout its processing life cycle. So one of the key pillars of privacy-enhancing technologies is, in fact, homomorphic encryption. So that often considered to be holy grail of crypto that allows you to process in ciphertext space as if it were plain text. Other areas and technologies in the privacy-enhancing technology family include things like SMPC, secure multi-party computation or compute, things like TEEs or trusted execution environments, which we can talk about in a little while as well. So the really beautiful thing about pets is that they don't serve to make something that already exists better or more secure. What they do is they make entirely new things possible. And that's why you see this rise in the prevalence in the demand for privacy-enhancing technologies and solutions around this family of technologies in the commercial market. Yeah, I, I love that too. I, I wrote a piece a while ago about homomorphic encryption. And one of the things that just fascinated me is just that it creates new business opportunities. It, it actually allows new businesses over time to develop that would have never been able to develop because there wouldn't be that level of trust between the entities. You can have a confidentiality agreement, but everybody knows a confidentiality agreement is like, it's not 100%. It's very hard to prove. With homomorphic encryption, you don't have to worry about that. And you can choose what you provide. You can do it in a very controlled fashion. I saw the quote that you were talking about, my buyer is not really the CISO, it's the business. And I love that because it goes to the possibilities of it going forward. Correct. And the journey of homomorphic encryption evolving to be here now, performant, and ready for a wide range of business use cases is a 40-decade journey. Because like I had mentioned, it had often been considered that holy grail of crypto and pursued as such because of that paradigm shifting ability that I talked about at the top of our recording. Now, that also parallels the journey that we've had as a company. So we have been on this path to create this new commercial market, securing the usage of data, solutioning around privacy-enhancing technologies, defining and really uncovering the business use cases that are uniquely solved by privacy-enhancing technologies as a family. And uh, of course, if you back up from that and think about it, either where the technology doesn't exist at all, or it doesn't exist in a practical capacity, which was the case for almost 40 years with homomorphic encryption, nor does the commercial market. So having the breakthroughs in that utilization of homomorphic encryption that allowed it to be practical for the first time ever, then gave us the ability to be on this pathway of creating the new commercial market and defining those really unique business use cases that you were talking about. I think one of the things you also have talked about a fair amount is contemplating performance relative to the use case. Where do these technologies, specifically homomorphic encryption, work? Where doesn't it? And what's in store for the area where it doesn't? Meaning, are we anticipating greater progression or is there just so much wide open plane in where it works and other privacy enhancing technologies that there's a lot of wood to chop right now? Yeah, so you just hit on one of the most common myths 
around homomorphic encryption, and that is that it is not ready for commercial use, that it's not performant enough for commercial use. And that's really part of the legacy of the work that has been done collectively in academia and research organizations and institutions over that 40-year period to try to really crack that holy grail, to get it to a place where it would be computationally practical. And it's ready now. So homomorphic encryption is being used actively in various production environments across the commercial world to solve real problems. So one of the umbrella use cases that we engage in quite a bit in the commercial space is in enabling secure data sharing and collaboration, and in particular in, in places like financial services. So if you think about a global bank that operates in many jurisdictions across the globe, they would like to obtain a very clear customer operating picture for things like anti-money laundering. So customer screening, KYC, know your customer due diligence, et cetera. But the different regulatory requirements in those different jurisdictions often make it very difficult for them to do so. So the data must stay resident in that specific jurisdiction. It can't move around the globe, et cetera. So what we have been very engaged with these financial institutions to enable them to do is to, in fact, securely share and collaborate across these different operating jurisdictions with varying regulatory landscapes and requirements in order to obtain that global picture. For example, or in one jurisdiction, you can encrypt a search containing information around a specific customer that you want to onboard and you're trying to perform your required customer due diligence on that individual before onboarding. You can take that uh, information around that entity and you can encrypt it in a search and then you can send that encrypted search off into other operating jurisdictions, have it processed in those different operating jurisdictions without ever being decrypted and thus without ever exposing that information that you were never supposed to reveal outside of the originating jurisdiction, produce encrypted results, come back, and then obtain a much clearer picture without ever exposing any of that sensitive or protected information. And that happens in the second time frame today, transiting the globe on standard cloud platform infrastructure. So absolutely, homomorphic encryption in particular, the way we solution around it is being used now. And it's extremely performant for a wide range of business use cases. As you go across jurisdictions and even presumably different user interfaces and different systems within entities, I think you've noted before, at least in your implementation, curious as to whether it's a common implementation, but there is no user interface. It's all in the background. So there isn't a dependency on each jurisdiction having a, a single user face. It just integrates in the background. Correct. And that's part of our intended product design. People don't want another user interface. They don't want to train their workforce or their analysts to have to go to a different tool to be able to enable this kind of cross-jurisdictional data sharing and collaboration. They have tools, they have risk platforms that they're comfortable with that are already integrated into the fabric of the financial services institution. So we designed our software to function as a proxy layer, to sit behind the scenes, be completely API-based, so that we would just integrate into their normal workflows behind their existing user interfaces, so that we would enable all this other capability and additional capability for insights without requiring them to overhaul their systems, their tooling, their data, et cetera. Now, would you say that the proxy layer in the background is a differentiator for Envail's particular applications? Absolutely. So we are two-layer, fundamentally proxy layer software. So this is the what comprises our zero-reveal compute fabric. And we have two different product lines in the fabric. Uh, one is zero-reveal search that I mentioned a little while ago that enables encrypted search, encrypted watch listing, tipping and alerting to occur. 
And the second product line is Zeroville Machine Learning. So this enables encrypted machine learning evaluation, of course, globally. And one of the key differentiators in our solutioning around privacy-enhancing technologies and homomorph encryption in particular is that we enable decentralized data sharing and collaboration. So we don't require the data to be pooled in any way, shape, or form. So that really allows these organizations to effectively share and collaborate because one of the main barriers typically to data sharing, both across jurisdictions, you heard with all the regulatory landscape, that's certainly the case, but also between institutions, so private to private data sharing was the previous requirement to have to centralize or pool the data. And that's just not practical or tenable. Every organization with what we do is able to retain positive and auditable control of their data assets while still making it available for computation purposes. So that decentralized component of secure data sharing and collaboration is really key to opening the door for all of these business enabling use cases. When you you look at what's going on in the decentralized finance community around even things like tokens, do you see a potential integration between homomorphic encryption technologies and these DeFi projects that are emerging? You certainly could, for sure. So anytime you want to reach out, perform a secure and private inquiry, do some kind of analysis in a completely decentralized yet secure and private way, it would absolutely um, apply and be an overall component of the system. So if you were just, let's say, validating, that might be a ZKP or a zero knowledge proof. There might be a whole continuum where it could also be secure multi-party computation. But I guess as you start to move up in terms of what you're trying to accomplish in that decentralized environment, homomorphic encryption could also have a use case there as well. Correct. Interesting. I know uh, we, we just talked about how this had more of a business application, but obviously the U.S. has had its biggest hack in history, the the SolarWinds hack, and everything that came as a result of that. Does it make sense to think of Pet Solutions as potentially being part of the fabric for how we better protect ourselves against these types of threats in the future? Absolutely. So privacy enhancing technologies and Pet Solutions have a huge role to play in the protection and even the way that we think about these kinds of threats moving into the future. And it really goes back to the concept of zero trust system and network. So already assuming that you're going to have malicious actors and entities in your environment, in your system, and that you're not assuming that anything is trusted in that environment. So of course, for privacy enhancing technologies, anytime you have data in that network or system that you want to be able to use or process in a secure and private way, they come into play. So they are a key element of zero trust frameworks. And that's just further illuminated by a situation like SolarWinds. So I'm going to go to a particular designation that Unveil had received from the World Economic Forum. You're designated as the 100 Technology Pioneers last June. Maybe tell us the significance of that, why you were chosen, and maybe even give us a little bit of color as to what stemmed from that designation to date. So in 2020, we're very proud to have been named a World Economic Forum Technology Pioneer. So why is that so significant? Out of those 100 companies that you mentioned that span all kinds of products and solutions, we were one of only six data security companies selected, and we were the only company and the first ever company selected by the World Economic Forum that secures data in use, that solutions around privacy-enhancing technologies. And so that 
choice and that designation by World Economic Forum really speaks to this paradigm shifting power and potential of solutions around privacy enhancing technologies to solve some of our biggest challenges in financial services. And you heard some of that in fighting financial crime. Financial crime is a huge problem. Over 3% of our global GDP is laundered every year. And so it's a huge problem to solve. And in particular, I think the World Economic Forum designation recognizes that through selecting us as a technology pioneer. Now, that is a two-year honor and designation by WEF. And as part of that two-year effort, we work with them in collaborating on participating in certain events that they have, speaking on panels around innovation and what's going on from a financial services or even, like I said, specifically financial crime, anti-money laundering perspective, co-authoring articles with uh, World Economic Forum, et cetera. So we work very closely with them to really show and highlight the power of privacy-enhancing technologies to transform a lot of the way that data sharing and collaboration occurs inside of financial services. Now, is the World Economic Forum primarily focused on the AML and financial services use cases? It's focused on many different use cases. AML and financial crime is only one of those use cases. It's also the one that's most public and talked about for us as a company and for privacy-enhancing technologies as a family. So why is that the case? I think it's worth maybe pulling that thread for just a minute. So privacy-enhancing technologies as a family is not new. That term has been around a long time. Now, we have had pretty phenomenal breakthroughs in these underlying technologies within the family that have allowed them to be, of course, practical for the first time and utilized. But aside from that, the FCA or the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, the regulator in the UK, held a tech sprint back in 2019 around exploring the power of privacy-enhancing technologies to solve some of the biggest challenges in money laundering that exists within financial services. So the regulator recognized that power of pets, and they brought together different pet solution providers as well as the banks to work together to demonstrate what they could do. So specifically, they had different use cases, and we solutioned around the know your customer due diligence use case. So that onboarding example that I gave you a little while ago. So on our team, we worked with BAE. They have a product called NetReveal, which is one of those risk platforms that the analysts are used to working with inside of the banks. We worked with Refinitiv, and then from a banking perspective, Barclays, ING, and HSBC. And we demonstrated in real-time integration with NetReveal and a simultaneous encrypted query out to three participating banks and three different jurisdictions across the globe of the same bank to bring back additional insight and information that they would have never otherwise been able to obtain in any kind of real-time setting for this onboarding of the individual. So we actually won that use case, but that's where the conversation really started to change, in particular in financial services, and more specifically in the context of anti-money laundering, is when the regulator recognized the power of the family of technologies to change the dynamic of the space. And then going back to the World Economic Forum, so was it in connection with that activity that you were chosen as 100 technology pioneers? Because I, I know there's also been discussions on healthcare and agricultural use cases, but I'm just kind of curious as to whether Envale's designation was specific to financial services or does it touch on healthcare and agricultural uh, use cases as well? 
So it's broad. So of course, securing the usage of data is a horizontal commercial market. So yes, we've talked a lot about financial services, but the applications are just as broad in verticals like healthcare, for example, which World Economic Forum is very involved in. So if you think about the umbrella use case of enabling secure data sharing and collaboration in a completely decentralized way, that is immensely powerful and potentially impactful in the healthcare arena, where all of this private and sensitive health information can stay resident in the entities at which they originate in the operating jurisdictions and countries of origination, but yet still be shared in a private and secure way across the globe. Absolutely, for that horizontal power, we were chosen as a technology pioneer. So it's in no way, shape, or form specific to financial services. Typically in this space, I think what's driving it is where the regulatory attention is. The regulatory attention is on, particularly in the US, both financial data and healthcare data is what is regulated versus where it's just personal data. Other than healthcare and financial services or what we've talked about, what other business enabling use cases do you think there that, that you see developing in the future? One other umbrella use case that we are engaged in is in enabling secure data monetization. I think this one's particularly exciting because it's centered on creating new revenue streams for organizations. So of course, today, more than ever, given COVID, organizations are turning inward and looking at their own data assets to see where they can create those new revenue streams and how they can monetize them. Now, the next question becomes, okay, great. We've identified some of these data assets that we could potentially monetize. Now, how do we do so in such a way that respects the security and the privacy of the underlying data itself that we've been entrusted with and we are stewarding? And how do we monetize it in such a way that respects the security and privacy of the users of the monetization platform? And what we do at Unveil, and in particular, broadly, privacy-enhancing technologies, uniquely enables that to be possible. So it opens the door for monetization of data assets in a way that was never possible before. So I think enabling secure data monetization is a huge umbrella use case that we're only going to see growing as we move out into the future. Can you provide even a little more detail on that, a more specific use case for secure data monetization? So think about if you have certain types of transaction records as an organization. Maybe you are a large retailer and you have customers walking in and they're buying certain products with certain frequencies. And suppose you are a marketing and advertising company and you would love to know who is buying which products in which locations, et cetera, so that you can better serve them marketing materials. However, you don't necessarily want to reveal as a marketer who you would be targeting. That may be sensitive to you for various reasons. And so what we would enable is the ability for that marketing advertising company to take that encrypted query for a specific individual, for any of their private information around address or zip code or location, et cetera. And then maybe some products that they may be interested in encrypt that within their trusted walls, send that encrypted search over into the large retailers data holdings that they're making available for monetization purposes have it process over that data without ever being decrypted and thus without exposing any of that target customer information, location information, et cetera, produce the encrypted results, which could be a wide range of things. It could be binary yes or no. It could be some kind of scoring or it could be actual data 
that they've deemed permissible to return those encrypted results back to the origination point where they can be decrypted and further consumed. So why is that important for both the origination point and the data holder? Because of course, the marketer or advertising company doesn't want to reveal potentially who they're looking for, who they're interested in. But just because they go and ask the retailer, if they have any pattern of life, buying history, et cetera, for that individual, doesn't mean the retailer actually does. And if they don't, and if that was done in the clear, now the marketing company, just by asking that question via the search, has now introduced potentially sensitive information into that retailer's environment that they may have to account for from a regulatory audit compliance perspective. So when you encrypt that search and send it in for processing, there is absolutely zero risk of any of this information being left, being exposed in that retailer's environment. And therefore, there are no additional compliance um, considerations that are required. And, and so as we move into the consumer space, and obviously you touched on increased state adoption of privacy regulation and potentially a federal law that encompasses consumer privacy protections, the auditability of those processes is likely to also be an increasing consideration. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about the auditability solutions? Auditability is key. So transparency is absolutely key for people's trust in the, the organization's ability to steward their private information. So we've never seen the global demand for privacy higher than it is today, and it's only increasing. And of course, that regulatory framework and landscape is following suit. So privacy enhancing technologies really allow the privacy demands, the regulatory requirements to be satisfied. And particularly what we do allows that to happen in a completely auditable way. So you still maintain all of your audit trail as an organization, which encrypted, for example, queries were performed, what data was accessed by them, et cetera. So you can still satisfy all of your regulatory requirements and still protect the information and the data during processing. Excellent. So we touched on earlier the continuum for trusted encryption environments to secure multi-party computation, somewhat fully homomorphic continuum. Can we walk through each one of those, sort of explain, particularly on trusted encryption environments, how they all interrelate to one another and how they satisfy different segments of the continuum? For sure. So there is not a one-size-fits-all way to secure the usage of data. So you've heard me talk a lot about our breakthroughs in homework encryption, our solution around privacy-enhancing technologies. We do have solutioning around all of those families of privacy-enhancing technologies as a company. Now, homework encryption, of course, that's the never-decrypt security posture. So that's the ability to perform operations in the encrypted domain as if they're in the unencrypted world, immensely powerful. We've, we've really covered that. That's often considered to be the strongest form of privacy-enhancing technology from a security standpoint. Now, SMPC, or Secure Multi-Party Compute, is a protocol. It does exactly what you would think based on the acronym, and there are many different variants of it. There are variants of SMPC that leverage homomorphic encryption, or HE, and therefore they can have very strong security guarantees depending on how the protocol is implemented. So the products that I just described that we build are SMPC variants leveraging HE. Now, Trusted execution environments. So trusted execution environments, or TEEs, are exactly what they say they are, which is you see a theme in this continuum of privacy-enhancing technologies with SMPC and now with TEEs. 
And sometimes you'll hear these called enclave compute environments. So what a TEE is, is a very small environment or enclave, often on the chip itself, that's considered to be trusted. So the TEEs have a perimeter-based security model where the perimeter is just really small on that chip. So because that perimeter is considered to be trusted, then you will move your operations, your searches, your data into that small little enclave or environment. You will decrypt it within that environment and then perform your processing, re-encrypt, and exit. Now, like any kind of perimeter security model, the strength is in the perimeter itself. So if you compromise the perimeter, if you can break through that, then everything is open in the clear, freely available, et cetera. So from a security standpoint on that continuum, TEEs are actually considered to be the least secure of the privacy enhancing technology family, which may be perfectly acceptable for certain use cases where you don't need a very high degree of security and privacy. So we as a company also solution around those. We were part of, for example, Microsoft's confidential computing preview that's now out of preview, et cetera. And it certainly is a viable way to securely use and process data if, like I said, you don't need quite as strong. So that's the continuum. Federated learning isn't often considered to be in the family of privacy-enhancing technology. Sometimes people will talk about it in that family. It's usually not because you're sending your models out to different data sources in order to train those models. So it could leverage... TEE, SMPC, somewhat or fully homomorphic encryption solutions. Now, for somewhat homomorphic encryption solutions, is that basically what you were referring to before with SMPC leveraging HE? So it could be all kinds of different things. So for SMPC, like I said, a lot of different protocols leveraging different types of homomorphic encryption, and it just really depends on the instantiation. Now, from a federated learning context, with our encrypted machine learning product line, we enable the models that have been trained already that would be on sensitive or even regulated information within the organization to be encrypted and then sent out and have them evaluated in a completely encrypted capacity. So it's a decentralized encrypted model evaluation, slightly different than federated learning. Great. I wanted to also talk about going back to contemplating performance relative to the use case, like a real-time streaming packet-level encryption. Obviously, homomorphic encryption, that might be one use case where it's not as optimal. Again, we've identified that there's tons of optimal use cases, but real-time streaming packet-level encryption isn't. But per packet level alone, that's not necessarily real-time. What would be an optimal use case for privacy-enhancing technologies? So homomorphic encryption certainly isn't there from a performance perspective. But as we talked about before, many use cases, I would say tons of use cases, (laughs) that homomorphic encryption can be used in a practical capacity for today. So for example, for that cross-jurisdictional data sharing use case that I talked about at the top, of our call to be able to encrypt that search, have it transit the globe, process over hundreds of millions of records in that operating jurisdiction, produce encrypted results, return back, decrypt, and then be viewable in the risk platform in a matter of seconds is absolutely phenomenal for that use case right now. If you're going to transit the globe in seconds and perform that encrypted search, that is not 
your uh, packet level real-time streaming latency. But very few things require that kind of latency, in particular, things like packet streaming. So are we there yet from an HE perspective? No, but a lot of the focus of homomorphic encryption underlying research and work is getting it more and more performant so uh, that you can open up use cases where you can process data in a completely streaming and real-time capacity. Might a use case be something like critical infrastructure management, energy, defense use cases? You could absolutely use it in that way. And I am a purist when we start talking about real time. So by real time, I really mean real time. I don't mean batch streaming. So today we can absolutely perform batch streaming encrypted processing with homomorphic encryption with our capabilities off the shelf. And when a batch is streaming, it can tolerate a second or two, et cetera, of latency as you bring that batch and stream it across your encrypted search, your encrypted watch list for tipping and alerting, your encrypted machine learning model. That is not real time in my definition. So real time is line rate. And like I said, we're not there yet. We are absolutely driving toward that. But so many use cases, so many, and so many different verticals (laughs) for encrypted, even batch second level delay latency processing. Yeah. The the microseconds may, may not be all that significant when there's so much to attack. No. We covered a fair amount. Is there an area you think that we should be covering that I haven't raised? I think we covered a lot. We talked about my dad. <laughs> we talked about all of the, the degrees. We talked about Unveil. We talked about privacy enhancing technologies. I think it's an incredibly exciting, dynamic, and fast-moving space. I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of it. Very honored to be creating this new market. And I can't wait to see what the future holds as we continue to build it out. Yeah. So five years into your company, starting in 2016, now it's 2021. What do you think happens by the time we get to 2026? And you can't say, I don't know. (laughs) No, I think privacy enhancing technologies will be ubiquitous. They'll be part of the fabric of how business gets done. When we started the company four and a half years ago, and we were one of the youngest companies ever to be in the RSA Innovation Sandbox. It turned five months old the day before I pitched And we were one of the winners. And I stood up there and said, homomorphic encryption, it's here, it's now, and it's going to change everything. And when I looked around, we were the only company saying that. And a lot of people thought we were absolutely out of our mind. But we had the vision that we were going to create this market, and that's the journey. And we see it coming into form. So it's very exciting. Like I said, fast forward another five years, and I think homomorphic encryption, privacy-enhancing technologies will be the way that business gets done in many use cases. And it's interesting. I think particularly as there's a growing understanding in the government, it may actually end up pushing the narrative for a federal privacy law, because once it's known that the technology can enable it, like oftentimes regulation will be limited by just the technological capabilities. But I think in terms of the dialogue around a federal privacy law, presumably this would also be something that would, given the availability of the technology, press it saying, hey, listen, this technology is out there. It's easy enough to implement on the back end. So certainly if you're a large organization processing the sensitive data, why not? Particularly in light of solar winds and the fact that some of the bastions where you think that, oh, of course, they're so secure, they, they might have had extremely strong perimeter defensive. They may have had encryption at rest, encryption in transit, but everybody knows that last mile is where a lot of damage can happen. Correct. And privacy enhancing technology certainly does open the door for a level of privacy preservation and respect and regulatory compliance that we've never seen before. So Elson Ann, if anybody wants to get more information on you, on Unveil, where's the best place to find it? Go to our website. So Unveil.com. 
Excellent. And what about any social media that you want to call out? Or Yes. So we are on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter at Inveil Inc. So check us out. Excellent. Ellison Ann, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to have you. Thank you, Eric. It was my pleasure. <laughs>